Well, if there is a God, then why doesn't he do something about suffering? Uh, I think it's a question that all people, uh, whether they're Christian or not, will ask from time to time. We think to ourselves, if, if God is sovereign, then he should have the power to do something about suffering. Uh, and if God is, is good, then he should have the will to do something about suffering. Uh, but if God is so sovereign and he is so good, then why on earth is our world still filled with all kinds of, of injustice and evil and corruption and the rest? Is he not really powerful? Uh, is he not really good? Or is he not really there? Well, suffering is a reality in our world, and the Bible tells us that the root cause of all of our suffering uh, is our sin. Uh, not, not that uh, we su- every time we suffer it's because of some uh, particular sin that I am being punished for, but that we live in a fallen world uh, under God's curse. And so each and every one of us who lives in this world experiences suffering from time to time. Uh, And we do, of course, rightly long for God to do something about it, Uh, to to, to end all the cancers and the wars and the broken marriages and uh, and the dengue fever. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, To do something about the poverty, the stress, the sickness, the corruption and all the rest. We long for God to reverse the curse of the fall and restore restore the perfection of Eden. Uh, well, we turn to, uh, to that question tonight as we turn one last time to the book of Ruth. Uh, we've seen, of course, Naomi's suffering uh, during the time of the judges. Bethlehem had uh, faced this famine, uh, and as a result, Naomi's fa- uh, family had fled to Moab. Uh, uh, her, her husband, Elimelech, had passed away, and then her two sons, Marlon and Kilion. And Naomi was uh, returned to Bethlehem feeling bitter, hopeless, and empty Uh, as a result. Uh, And yet we've seen, isn't it, as hopeless as things seemed, uh, that God had never ceased to be be sovereign and to be good. Uh, In his his sovereign kindness, God had arranged uh, for Ruth to meet her redeemer, Boaz. Uh, Boaz was was one of Naomi's kinsman redeemers. He He was a relative who had the special responsibility set out in God's law in order to, to provide and to protect for people like Ruth and Naomi. Uh, the Redeemer's uh, job, if you like, was uh, to, to buy back the land uh, that may have, they may have had to sell in their poverty, uh, and even it may uh, extend to providing a son to continue the family line, uh, in the such case as Naomi, where, uh, where all of the sons have passed away. And Boaz was one of those Redeemers, and the story has been full of hope, Uh, Except, of course, there was a problem we met last week. Uh, There was another man, a closer relative than Boaz. And so we have to wait and see, isn't it, if it's going to be a happy ending for Ruth and Boaz or not. Well, as we pick up chapter 4, we see the costly redemption of Boaz. The costly redemption of Boaz. Verse 1. Now, Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. Uh, the town gate, if you like, was where the elders uh, met. It was the, the court or the town council, something like that. Uh, verse 1, uh, Behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said to him, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside 
uh, and sat down. It's, it's another one of those little coincidences uh, in the book of Ruth. Uh, Boaz sits by the gate and the man that he's looking for just happens to walk by. Here's God's providence still at work. Uh, verse 2, he, he takes aside 10 men of the elders of the city and, and says to them, sit down here. They sit down. Uh, the, the local courtroom gathers to hear the case. Who is going to be the redeemer for Ruth and Naomi? Uh, Boaz or the other guy? And Boaz begins his speech in verse, verse 3. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is none besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. Uh, now, in our hearts, as Boaz says all of this, we're, of course, crying out with Boaz, look, please say no. Please say no. Uh, we want Ruth and uh, Naomi to, to be, uh, we want Ruth and Boaz to be married. We want the happy ending. But what does he say? In the end of that verse, I will redeem it. He says yes. And we're shocked. I mean, how could this man be so caring? How could he be so loving and responsible? He's going to ruin the happy ending of the story. Except that Boaz has a plan. And he drops the bombshell of Ruth. Uh, verse uh, 5, Boaz says, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Uh, now, now that uh, the, here is the real crux of the matter. We find out that redemption here is actually going to be very costly uh, for this man. You see, uh, how it worked was uh, that if, they did, if this man did marry Ruth, then their first son would be counted as the son of Elimelech. Uh, and that would mean that, that the inheritance would, instead of go to this man's family, would instead pass to, to Elimelech's family Instead, And so after paying all this money to buy the field, he would lose it all as it goes to Elimelech's family. Redemption will be costly for this man. It will cost him his riches. It will cost him greatly. And so how does he respond? He says uh, there in, in verse 6, Then I cannot redeem it myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself for I cannot redeem it. it. It's just too costly for this man. The money, the property, the wife, the heir, he just simply cannot do it. But not Boaz. Once again, we see the kindness of God shining through in Boaz's life. Here is Ruth the Moabite, rejected by others, loved by Boaz, at great cost to himself. He would lose his renown. He would lose his riches for her. 
Now in verse 7 to 12, we, we see the deal uh, confirmed. Uh, uh, verse 7 tells us that the ancient equivalent of uh, signing on the dotted line was that you'd, you'd take off your sandal and uh, give it to the person. I won't demonstrate it uh, for you now. I, I've always wondered whether they actually gave the sandal back uh, at the end or the other guy just kind of went hopping home with no, with no shoes. Uh, but whatever, whatever happens in verse 8, the Redeemer says to Boaz, look, buy it yourself. He hands over his uh, sandal uh, to Boaz and, and the deal is done and dusted. And so verse uh, 9, uh, Boaz announces he's bought the land, uh, uh, the property of Elimelech. Verse 10, he announces he takes, he takes Ruth the Moabite to be his wife to perpetuate the name of Elimelech uh, and it's all done. Uh, and so we see here that the costly redemption of Boaz, willing to pay anything, willing to, to do anything to redeem a foreigner from a desperate situation. Now, the costly redemption of, of Boaz points us forward as a picture, if you like, of that most ultimate costly redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's very easy, isn't it, to forget just how much it cost the Lord Jesus Christ to, to redeem us from our sins. So we were in a, a much more desperate situation, as we, we saw last time, uh, not, just, not just in poverty, not just childless. We were, we were under the judgment of God for our sins, destined for, for an eternity away from God and His, and his blessings. Uh, and yet, uh, God loved us. He didn't have to love us. He didn't have to redeem us. But what did God do? He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus willingly, of his own accord, laid down his life, paid the ultimate cost so that sinners like you and me could be redeemed. Uh, in many ways, the story of Ruth is, is our story. Here is Ruth the Gentile not one of God's people, separated from God and his blessings, now brought near, provided with a redeemer, and blessed as one of God's people. Uh, we read in our New Testament reading uh, of the same thing, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, uh, how we Gentiles were at one stage separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We were hopeless, we were desperate, we were, we were away from God. And, and what did God do? Now in Christ Jesus, we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus paid that most ultimate of costs, to redeem sinners like you and me. Now that should really stagger us, isn't it? Uh, Jesus didn't have to do that for us. And yet he gave it all for us. But of course the story of Ruth is uh, not over here. Uh, once again, as the author often does, he, he pushes us to think be, below the surface, what is God doing in all of this? Uh, and the words of the elders here are highly significant. Take, have a look at verse 11 with me. Uh, then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel, 
May you act worthily in Ephrathah, it's another name for Bethlehem, be renowned in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Uh, Rachel, Leah, and Tamar, all these women were the wives of the various patriarchs uh, that we read of all the way back uh, in Genesis. They were, the, they were the women through whom God built the nation of Israel as he promised to Abraham. Uh, Rachel and Leah, if you, you might remember, they were, the, uh, they were the Jacob's two wives, the mothers of the 12 sons who had become the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, Tamar uh, bore, uh, bore children to Jacob's son Judah, uh, the tribe through whom David and, and later the Lord Jesus Christ would come. And so we get a hint here, which will become a stark reality in a moment, that through this ordinary family, that God was working to build Israel as he'd done in the ancient past, to, to keep his promises to Abraham, to, to reverse the curse of the fall and bring blessing to all the nations through him. And so we come point two, to the hidden purpose of God. The hidden purpose of God. Uh, we're going we're to zoom out from, from Ruth and Naomi. We're going to get further and further out to see the big picture, how this fits uh, in the Bible. Firstly, the, the Redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. Uh, verse uh, 13, uh, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Remember how the story started. Death, death, death. Now new life. Verse 14, the, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who's not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who's more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. Uh, we love uh, rags to riches stories, don't we? Uh, anyone here a fan of Slumdog Millionaire? Uh, I'm not sure if it appeals to this demographic. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness, maybe. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, they're all great stories, isn't it? Of uh, rags to riches, the ultimate reversal. And uh, the book of Ruth is exactly the same here. We, as we move from chapter 1 to 4. We go from bitterness to joy death to life, curse to blessing, emptiness to fullness. Remember bitter old Naomi, she'd lost it all, destined for a, a life of poverty. Now she is blessed by God beyond her wildest imaginations. The child that she thought was impossible in chapter one now is a reality, sitting on her lap. And the author has left us in absolutely no doubt how it has all happened. It was because of the kindness of the sovereign God who was at work behind the scenes providing a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi who would pay the ultimate cost. I wonder if you see the hidden purpose of God here in the story. Now, see, yes, Naomi did suffer for her sins as the family left the land of blessing and came under his curse. Uh, but God worked through it, isn't it? 
to, to show her that he is good, to show her that he is kind, that he can work in all things for her good. And one of the greatest goods we see here is, is of course, Ruth herself. Naomi has the baby on her lap, but verse 15, uh, sorry, verse uh, 16, we're told that, that, uh, that, Naomi, uh, that Ruth is more to you than, than seven sons. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing, this, this, that in the book of Ruth, the word love is only used once, and it's not used actually between Boaz and Ruth. The word is used only for the love of, of Ruth, for her aging and widowed mother-in-law. Here is uh, a picture, if you like, of God's, of God's great love for us in Ruth's love for Naomi. Now, but, of course, that's the end of uh, Naomi's story, but we haven't reached the climax, uh, really. Finally, at the end of the story, we find out why it was written. Uh, it's actually not just about Ruth and Naomi in the end. As we zoom out further, we see God's, God's broader hidden purpose. Uh, not once, but twice, we're told that, that Obed was the great-grandfather of King David himself. Verse 17 uh, he's, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Uh, and then the genealogy, uh, uh, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Ram, Aminadab, Nashon, Salmon. I always think of fish when I get to that one. Bo- Salmon bo- fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fa- fathered David. And so to really understand uh, the book of Ruth, we need to zoom out again. And see the big picture. I wonder if you remember how the book began back in verse, chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the, when the judges ruled. The days of the judges, do you remember? Those dark days in Israel's history. Uh, the days when there was no king in Israel. Where, where everyone did as they saw fit. Where again and again and again the people of Israel rebelled against God. Again and again, they came under his judgment. Again and again, he sent a savior judge to rescue them. It just seemed like a a never-ending spiral of evil and chaos. And by the end of the book, even the judges themselves have have such questionable morality. Uh, Nearly the whole tribe of Benjamin is wiped out in a civil war in the second last last chapter. And and it just seems like, as you read the book of Judges, that, that chaos reigns. That, that evil prevails. Uh, but who would have thought that during that time of, of a great national chaos, that God would be at work through this ordinary little family to provide Israel with the Redeemer they so desperately needed? David himself, David the king, who would, who would unite the tribes once and for all, who would bring blessing and rest to his people. Uh, The book of Ruth teaches us that God sometimes acts to save in ways that we would not really expect. God can and and does use use all things, the big things and even the small things, the ordinary things, to bring about his grand purposes. And so... As we come to point uh, 4C, uh, we, 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 we zoom out even further. We've seen the Redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. We've seen the Redeemer for, uh, for Israel, David. But then we can come out even further. Because, of course, 
uh, there was an even greater descendant uh, of, 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 of Boaz, of Obed, of David, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We, we read in that genealogy uh, in, in the book of, uh, of Matthew chapter 1, uh, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Uh, uh, ch- Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 reminds us that Ruth was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Jesus, like David and Obed, was born in Bethlehem. And in Jesus, like David, God would be at work in the most unlikely of ways and at the greatest of costs to bring about the fulfillment of his promises. I mean, who would have thought that the Redeemer of the world would be born in a manger? Who would have thought that that God would bring blessing to the world by sending his son to be executed on a Roman cross? We sometimes ask the question, isn't it, if, if there is a God, why doesn't he do something about our suffering? And yet if we had the eyes to see it, to see the hidden purpose of God, we would realize that God has already done something marvelous about our suffering. All we need to do is look to the cross and see the suffering Savior. For there at that cross, God was redeeming the world from its emptiness, its brokenness, its hopelessness, as Jesus paid the ultimate price, giving not just a bit of money, but his very life to die for us on the cross. As the gospel goes out, lives are transformed as God saves people, as he, as he takes them from death to life, from, from emptiness to fullness, from, from bitterness to joy, complete turnaround. Indeed, of course, God has a, has a day ahead when all the suffering will end, all the loneliness, all the depression, all the tears, the sickness, the death, one day no more, and God himself wiping away the tears on our very eyes. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He gave his life so that we might one day be with him in that glorious reality. Have you seen the hidden purpose of God? God sometimes acts to save in the most unexpected of ways. Look at the cross. See the the price that God has paid to save us from our suffering and sin and to bring us to glory. Well, as we finish the book of Ruth, let's just uh, remind ourselves of the God that we meet here in these chapters. Uh, We meet the God who is sovereign, who is in control of all things, who is at work in the, the good times and the bad to bring about his good purposes, the God who acts in unexpected ways to redeem a people for himself. And we've seen that God is full of kindness. He never ceases to show his unfailing love to any who will trust in him, who will come under the shadow of his wings. We've met a God who is faithful, 
the God who keeps his promises to reverse the curse of the fall and bring us into God's eternal kingdom, we meet the God who paid it all in the most costly redemption of all, the death of his own son. We, we might not really uh, fully understand the reasons why we suffer in this world, but the book of Ruth has taught us God does not look on our sufferings in indifference. God is not absent. God is not distant. God is the suffering God who entered our world and gave it all in the person of his son so that we might be redeemed from our suffering and sin and brought to the place of no suffering forever. So I wonder, have we put our lives in the hands of our great Redeemer? Have we come under the, the shadow of his wings? I, I really do hope that each and every one, every one of us have. I, I hope that this Christmas will be filled with, with such joy and thanksgiving as we remember what Jesus has done for us. But if we do know Jesus as our Redeemer, isn't he a redeemer worth living for? And, and isn't this great gospel message worth sharing to our suffering and hopeless world in which we live? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are sovereign, that you are kind that you are faithful. And we thank you for providing us with Jesus to be our Redeemer. Thank you for his willingness to pay the ultimate price, his very life, so that we might be redeemed from our sins and brought into your eternal kingdom. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And we do pray for, that you would enable each and every one of us to be trusting entirely in him, to be filled with sheer joy this Christmas as we remember what he's done for us. And we do pray that this great gospel message may go out to so many people, our family and our friends this Christmas, that many, many more may come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Redeemer and live for him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.